Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Are you having fun yet? It's, it's amazing to be a part of a church family where you just get to see people use their gifts, use their abilities um, to, to just build up, to serve one another, to build up uh, the body of Christ. That's what the church is. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun, too. So uh, that was cool. I know right now you're thinking, do we got to listen to you talk? Like, can't we just like do some more music stuff? Uh, but I want to talk about this idea that the house don't fall if the bones are good. I think we all would say we want good bones. We want good bones like in our life. Uh, we want good bones in our relationships, in our, in our marriage, in our family relationships. We want strong bones in our, in our spiritual walk, in our faith life. We want strong bones. We've talked a lot about this idea of a firm foundation. We spent three months um, talking about firm foundation. Jesus said, the way that you have a firm foundation is by following my teachings, not in hearing, but in doing what I say. But Jesus also said, uh, it's like building your house on the rock. And then Jesus kind of gave us a promise that we, we don't really like, but he, he's told us the storm is going to come. The storm is going to come. So you do need to build your house on the firm foundation, but there will be a storm that comes. And when the bones are good, it means that despite the storm, season after season, storm after storm, there's a way that you can persevere. There's a way that you can endure. Sometimes we think, well, okay, I put my faith in Jesus. I start following Jesus. Things get easy. And well, that's, that's not true. So we're going to talk about this morning of what does it mean that the bones are good? It means that there's a, there's a consistency, there's a perseverance, there's an endurance to our walk. There's an endurance to, to our faith journey, and that's what we're going to talk about. If you want the bones to be good, you're going to need endurance. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, and in Hebrews, it talks a lot about this idea of endurance, and the reason why it does is because he, the author of Hebrews is writing to Jesus followers that are experiencing tremendous difficulties. They, they put their faith in Jesus, and their life didn't get worse. It got worse than worse. All types of uh, tyrannical oppression from the Roman government, and it has these Jesus followers wondering, how can we stick with this when it is so difficult? And so the author of Hebrews talks again and again about how to endure, how to endure, and that's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to start at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. It says this, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. Now, is this implying that there are children, that there are babies that are not beautiful? <laughs> I don't know. That's in the text. We have to ask God if there's ugly babies or not. <laughs> Sorry, we'll keep going. <laughs> And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured, there's our word, Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible." Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we've shared. Lord, we ask that you will turn our hearts towards you to receive all that you have for us, to surrender what you want us to, to leave in your hands. Lord, give us ears to hear the word that you have for us and 
just the courage to apply it to our lives. And please receive glory in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Endurance. Endurance is being faithful. It's sticking with things even when you feel like giving up. How do you stay consistent year after year, season after season, day after day? You know, I gotta be honest. um, I don't know if I'm the person that should be given this message. I mean, next month, dad is going to be the, celebrate his 35th year as the senior pastor of this church. There's some endurance there that we admire, right? And endurance is something that we love to see in other people, but um, it's tough. It's tough in our own lives because when we feel like giving up, it's hard to, it's hard to keep going. Endurance. When it comes to endurance, what you don't need to hear is you just got to keep going. Just don't stop. Like you'd be like, just shut up. That doesn't help. If someone tells you, just don't stop, just keep going. I remember I played a lot of basketball and um, playing a lot of basketball. There's a time in a basketball game where the gym gets quiet. You know what I'm talking about? When there's free throws, the gym gets quiet. Next time you're at a basketball game, I want you to listen because you will hear during free throws, you will hear somebody yell, box out. And I remember thinking once, like, you know, they really don't have to remind me what I'm supposed to do. Like, I know when the shot goes up, I know that I'm supposed to box out and try and get the rebound. Yet every single game, when there's a free throw, you're going to hear someone yell, box out. Now, my mom and dad were not yellers. My mom and dad, they obviously came to the basketball games to watch us play, but they were not yellers. There was only one time that I remember my mom, like, uh, getting involved. When I was in eighth grade, the refs were not calling any fouls, and my mom decided that my baby's going to go to the hospital if I don't go out there. So my mom walks out onto the court, (laughs) and she just stood in front of the referee, and she said, are you going to call any fouls, or do I need the whistle? And I was just like, Mom... There's nothing worse when you're 14 and your mom like tries to come rescue you. <laughs> so I get older and I become a teacher and I become a coach and now I'm coaching basketball. And you know what I found myself saying during free throw? <laughs> and so one game, one game at halftime, one of my middle school players came to me and was like, coach, you don't have to tell us to box out. We're already doing it. And I was like, you're not doing it because you just gave them a rebound. And then, so I was like, why aren't you boxing out? And, and I was coaching middle school girls. <laughs> You didn't realize I was a saint until just now. (laughs) And they said, because you never taught us how. And I realized, it's one thing to uh, know you're supposed to endure. Maybe it's another thing to be taught endurance. And, And maybe endurance is something that is not intuitive to us. Maybe it's taught and it's developed. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the life of Moses, an example of somebody who endured through many different circumstances, and perhaps we can learn how to develop endurance by looking at the lives of Moses. How did Moses have extraordinary endurance? Because this this letter of this book of Hebrews, it was written to, to people who were suffering greatly, and they needed extraordinary endurance. So what was it about Moses's life? And what can ordinary people like you and I that... What can we learn about this endurance to develop in ourselves? In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, 27, it said, by faith, 
he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Throughout this Hebrews chapter 11, we see this phrase over and over again. If you've grown up in church, you've perhaps read this book and you notice, by faith, this, by faith, this person, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac. And I wanna talk for just a minute about this, this word faith. When we, when we hear that word faith, we might think like a, taking a risk or, 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 or a step of, of trust. What does that word faith mean? Well, if you go back to the, the root Greek word there, this, this idea of faith, it's, um, it means fully persuaded. I, I, I wanna show it to you. In Ephesians 2.8, it tells us that faith is a gift from God. Uh, it says, in, uh, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. So, so faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. Um, we cannot drum up within ourselves enough human willpower of faith to save ourselves. That's not how it works. We are born into sin. We are dead in our sin. So we need to receive the, the gift of God that is faith and, and the free gift of, sal, of salvation. And this, this word meaning fully persuaded, it, it, we see in Romans 4.20, it says this, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. I want you to have that be your definition of faith because this is what faith means. It means you're fully persuaded. You're fully persuaded. You're confident that God had power to do what he promised. So as we, as we read the story of Moses, by faith, Moses was fully persuaded. Now, I'm, I am not up here today to try and persuade you to believe in God. I'm not trying to get you to, to persuade you to believe in God so that you join family church, so that you join the dream team, so now we got more servers. That, that's not what I'm trying to accomplish. That is man-made tradition. That is religion. I have no interest in that. If I can persuade you with, with my words into believing in God, then someone else can come along down the road and persuade you not to believe in God by their words. No, what I believe is that God is really good at being God and that God has a way he can show up in your life he can show up in your relationships and your circumstances and he can fully persuade you that he is with you, that he loves you, that you are called, that you are chosen, that you are forgiven. Now, each one of us that are Jesus followers, God does call us to serve. God does call us to love. God does call us to be his witnesses. And what I found is as I serve others, as I love others, as I am a witness of this is what God has done in me, you know what God does? God does the fully persuading on his own. I do not have to worry about that. I am not threatened when someone tells me, well, I don't believe in Jesus. That is not threatening to me because just like any person that doesn't believe in Jesus, God can show up in their life. And he can fully persuade them just like he fully persuaded me. I'm not up here because my dad was a pastor. I'm up here because I myself have been fully persuaded that God is who he said he was. If you want endurance in your life, if you want a firm foundation, it's gonna be predicated on the fact that God has persuaded you. If you wanna make it through all the seasons, all the storms of life, it is not about your willpower sticking to God. No, God is gonna be the glue. He's gonna fully persuade you. And if you have walked through some tough seasons, it can, it can be easy to start to wonder, God, I, I'm not as fully persuaded as I used to be that you are good, that you are loving. Because what I've been through, what I, the pain that I felt, the suffering that I felt, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. And you know what I believe God can do? God can show up in those circumstances and he can persuade you once more that he is for you, that he is with you, that he does have a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. 
Do you need to be persuaded today? If you do, then invite God into that circumstance. And I believe that God is really good at being God and he's gonna show up and he's gonna persuade you once again where you need to be persuaded. Faith is being fully persuaded. Three ways that Moses endured. Number one, Moses was fully persuaded. He knew that he was a miracle. We see in verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They saw that the child was beautiful. What this doesn't mean is that Moses was a cute baby, though maybe he was. I looked at his mom's Facebook. I didn't see a Facebook picture in there. I'll throw that one away. I won't use that one again. It means there was something special about Moses. They they, the baby was born and they had a sense that the God had a, had a special calling, had a, had a special presence. There was, there was something there that uh, was unique, was, was extraordinary. There's people in this room that your, your endurance tank is running low. You feel like giving up. And, and the reason why your endurance tank is so low is because you've become convinced that you are ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill. And I, and I want to convince you, I want to tell you there is no such thing in God's eyes as ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill. I want you to walk out of here knowing, just like Moses knew that he was a miracle, that you are a miracle. The, the truth of Scripture is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God made you, that God designed you, that God formed you, that God created you on purpose for a purpose. Do you, do you believe you're a miracle? I know I didn't have a completely normal childhood, but my mom told me the story time and time again about how I was a miracle baby. My mom told me that when she was pregnant with me, she had a dream and uh, that she was gonna have a big, healthy, beautiful uh, baby boy and she was gonna name him Kyle. And she even told me, I didn't know anyone named Kyle. And I was like, are you sure? Because I graduated with 49 people and there's three other Kyles. There was four Kyles in that graduating class. I mean, you just meet a random dude in his 30s and there's a 10% chance his name is Kyle. There's a lot of Kyles out there. And she told me the story at City of Faith Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was 11 pounds, 9 ounces. The, the, the record-setting baby, the biggest baby that had ever been born at City of Faith Hospital. <laughs> he was like, we knew you were going to be a special baby. <laughs> and she told me stories of, of when I was little. And, and she's speaking this, this over my life. Do you, you know, parents, if you've got kids, tell them that, they, that, that they're a miracle. Tell them that they are the baby that you prayed for. <laughs> You are the baby boy I've been praying for. You are the baby girl that I've been praying for. You're my, you're my special baby. You're my miracle baby because it's true. You were made on purpose for a purpose. God has a plan for your life. God has a destiny for your life. God loves you. You know, we, we sometimes, we, the, the, the scripture tells us that when Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking about us. And you, and you believe that when you're a kid. And then you grow up and you start to think, well, that logically, that can't be the case. But scripture says it, so it has to be true. What would it look like if you knew, if you were fully persuaded that you are God's miracle? You know, Moses knew he was a miracle and it gave him the endurance to go through the adversity that he went through, to go through the struggles that he went through. I bet if we sat down and talked, I could tell you 10 reasons why you shouldn't even be here today. You know how many close calls I've had in my life that I go, that I go back and think, you know, if things just would have went different, I wouldn't be here today. Like, Kyle, do you believe in guardian angels? I know I've had a guardian angel. I know that my mom's prayers, I know that my dad's prayers, I know that my granny's prayers have protected me in multiple instances. 
And it helps me believe that I know I'm a miracle. (laughs) I'm up here today because of answered prayers from God, because of guardian angels, because I'm a miracle. (laughs) And it's the same with you. You're a miracle. You're a miracle. I want you walking out of here knowing that you are a miracle because you are. You are God's miracle. And let that fill up your endurance tank. By faith, Moses knew that he was a miracle. Let's read on verses 24 and 25. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. These verses, they are defining verses about the life of Moses, but I got to be honest with you, you do not find these verses in Exodus, the actual story of Moses in the Bible. You have to remember that the author of Hebrews is writing this to people that would have had the Torah pretty much memorized. They knew the story of Exodus, and I think they're reading this, and they're like, Moses, I don't remember this. Because if you go back and look in Exodus, you do not see a verse, you do not see a chapter where Moses goes into Pharaoh's throne room and Moses takes off his jewelry and he takes off his rose and he says, Pharaoh, I'm done with this. It's like, you're not even my real dad, Pharaoh. And I don't like cats or mascara or pyramids either. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, Moses did that, but he didn't do it because... Well, I think the author is is telling us something. He's he's looking back at the whole scope of Moses' life. And he's saying that the endurance that Moses had, it may not have been a one-time event where Moses went in in front of Pharaoh and threw down the robe. Rather, it might have been day by day, Moses had a decision to make. Is Moses going to live in the luxury of Egypt and indulge himself in the opulence and all the pleasures that Egypt had to offer? Or is is he going to remember who he is, who his creator is, and why he was created, the purpose that God has for him. And the author of Hebrew is saying he chose day by day no to the pleasure of Egypt and yes to the purpose that God had on his life. That's what endurance is. It's not the one-time moment where you throw down your robe and your jewels. It's the day by day, one decision after another. Uh, I'm, I'm not about that. This is what's important to me. He knew that the fun of sin was fleeting. Moses was fully convinced that the fun of sin was fleeting, temporary, hollow. And this is what I think. I think if if God can convince, can fully persuade Moses that the fun of sin was fleeting, I want you to think about just for a moment, the fun that was at Moses' right hand. This is the most powerful country in the world, the wealthiest country in the world at the time, and he is in the palace. Whatever fun you could get up to, Moses had available to him. And if God can convince Moses that all of that fun and pleasure is not worth it, I got a sense that whatever temptations you and I have, the struggles that we go through, I got a sense that God can, can do the same thing in our lives that the love of money is not worth it, (laughs) that the lust of the flesh is not worth it, that the pride and the selfishness, it's it's not worth it. Rather, God, you, you have a calling on my life. I'm going to turn away from these sinful temptations that they sound like fun, but in the end, they only, they only leave you empty and and broken. God, I, I don't want that. 
I want to choose, I want to, choose to walk on the purpose that, that you have for me. If you want the bones to be good, if you want to have endurance, you're going to need God's help persuading you that, that there are temptations that you, you say no to, and there's, there's his best, God's best that you say, that you say yes to. Do we, do, we, do we need to talk about sin in the church? Uh, you know, family church is not a place where we look around and be, well, it looks like there's a few guests here, so we better, we better make sure they know that they're, they're sinners. But, you know, I've been here for a minute, so I, this isn't something I struggle with. You know, that, that's not what we're about. The sin, we have to talk about in church because sin has plagued humankind since the Garden of Eden. In fact, you cannot fully know the gospel until you know that, well, sin is actually part of the gospel because we were dead. <laughs> You got to know the bad news. Otherwise, there is no good news. That's what makes the good news so good because the bad news, it's, well, it's that bad. It's that destructive. And so we have to know that, yes, sin is destructive. Yes, we are, we are all sinners. And once you, you, you come to terms with that and you confess that, you're able to be forgiven and you're able to know God's amazing grace. And so, of course, we're going to preach his amazing grace. Of course, that's part of the gospel. But that we're born into sin and that we're tempted by sin, that's, well, that's part of the story too. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book called Hand Me Another Brick. And um, he wrote about a, a small town in Pennsylvania that built a, a brick civic building on, the, on their main street. Um, and uh, this was to house their police department and their fire department in a, their, a new city hall. Um, so the community set out together to build this new building to improve their community. And when this building was completed, the people were celebrating and they were proud and they had a ribbon cut, uh, cutting ceremony and they had 6,000 people about the whole town showed up to the ribbon cutting at this new building that they had built. However, uh, within less than two months, they began to notice some cracks on the side of the building. Then it was discovered that the windows wouldn't close all the way and the doors wouldn't get, uh, would get stuck and they wouldn't open and close correctly. Eventually, the floor shifted and left ugly gaps in the floor. And with a few months, the building had to be evacuated to the embarrassment of the builder and to the disgust of the taxpayers in the community. A firm was hired to do a, an analysis. This is a true story about what happened. How, how did things go so terribly wrong in a seemingly short amount of time? And as they did the research, the analysis revealed that there was a mining community not too far away where the, the blasts from the mine were underneath the surface causing damage. They were causing some shifting ground and the whole foundation began to crack. You couldn't feel it, you couldn't even see it from the road or on the surface, but deep down there was a weakening. And eventually the city official had to write condemned across the, the front of the door, not fit for public use, and the building was later demolished. And the, the truth of this story is that sometimes a similar erosion process can affect your life and, and my life there can be small blasts. There can be minimal distractions that are easy to go unnoticed, are easy to justify, are easy to deceive yourself. Maybe it's a, a small compromise. Maybe it's a blind spot that we don't see in the mirror. But if you want to endure, if you want the bones to be good, you, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. It's the minimal distractions, the, the little compromises that can cause the ultimate destruction because erosion is a natural process. We need, to, we need to have people in our lives that can help encourage us. That's why community is, is so important. We need to say that prayer that David prayed where he said, God, search me and know me. If there's anything in here that offends you, just, Lord, help me to surrender to you. Remove it and lead me in the path of everlasting life. 
That's how we can be careful. Now, this is what I believe, that God can persuade you. If God can persuade Moses, I believe that God can persuade you and me that the pleasures of the sin are fleeting and he can change your appetites and your desires from that selfish sin that tempts you to his plan and his purposes and his glory. I think that's what God wants to do. And when you're struggling and when you're being like, you know, I'm not so fully persuaded that because it sounds like a lot of fun right now. You know what you need? You need somebody in your life that can tell you, no, I I am fully persuaded and I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna support you and I'm gonna help you because together we we can fully persuade each other that this is not God's best for us. We can stay on track together. If God can persuade Moses, he can, he can persuade me and you too. There's a movie that uh, I love, and it's called uh, Remember the Titans. And there's a scene in this movie where Coach Herman Boone, he goes to his running back, Petey, and um, they talk about whether or not football is fun. And in this scene, Coach convinces his running back that football is no longer fun. Now, I'm going to show you this short scene, and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to use your imagination, where every time they say football, I want you to replace with your imagination that with the word sin. All right? Let's watch the clip. You smiling? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think so. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is uh, it? No, not by now. No, not it's now. not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. Uh, no. Make up your mind. No, no. Think, since you're thinking. Now go on, think. No, is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. Just like Coach Boone can persuade Petey that football is zero fun, sir, God can persuade us. That that sin, that temptation, it's, it's zero fun, sir. Moses was convinced that it was so fleeting it wasn't worth it. Number two, or number three, number three as we close on how to endure Moses, he knew that God was bigger than his fear. Moses knew he was a miracle baby that helped him endure. Moses knew that, the, that sin was fun, but it was so fleeting. And lastly, Moses was fully persuaded that God was bigger than his fear. Our key verse for today, it's that 1127, it says, by faith he left Egypt not being afraid, not being afraid. Now, what's interesting about this is, have you seen the Prince of Egypt? Prince of Egypt, it's the cartoon that tells the story of Moses. And if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, um, or actually, have you read the book of Exodus? If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, or if you've read the book of Exodus, you gotta be thinking, I'm pretty sure Moses was afraid. In fact, I, I, think, I, I think I remember that pretty distinctly. And I know that the the audience that they are reading Hebrews, they're thinking the exact same thing. They're like, I don't know about this because I'm pretty sure he was, he was scared, he was terrified, and he actually ran away from Egypt to Midian running for his life. And let's, well, let's, let's look back at Exodus and, and see what it says. Exodus chapter two, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. Moses was afraid. 
Exodus chapter 2 tells us Moses was afraid. And he thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. What's going on here? We see an apparent contradiction in Scripture. Hebrews is telling us that Moses was not afraid, and Exodus 2 tells us that Moses was afraid. Does Scripture contradict itself? Or perhaps the author inspired by the Holy Spirit, is pointing to attention. And to resolve this tension, we can take a deeper look and it can speak something to us that God wants us to grasp onto. When you have fear, you have a choice. What the author of Hebrews is saying is, he wasn't saying that Moses, being a human, experiencing human emotions, never felt any fear. On the contrary, he was a human, living the human experience, and sometimes the human experience is one where we have emotions. Some of those are being scared of apprehension, of nerves. What the author is saying, looking back at Moses' life and the whole scope of his life, is he's saying, despite his fears, he knew that God was bigger than his fears. When you feel fear, you have a choice. Are you going to focus on that fear? Are you going to become paralyzed by that fear? Are you going to let that fear define your mindset, where your imagination will take you on that fear cycle? Your actions? Or are you going to fix your eyes on Jesus and focus on his promises and know that well, God is bigger than my fears. When you focus on your fear, what happens? The fear gets bigger. When you focus on God, what happens? God gets bigger and your fear gets smaller. So Moses says, yes, I, I, I am afraid. Yes, there, there is fear in my life, but I am walking God's plan and purpose for my life. So fear is not in the driver's seat. Fear is not controlling my actions. Fear is not paralyzing me at night so I can't sleep. No, instead, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm fixing my eyes on what is set before me, God's plan and purpose in my life. And despite the fear, my trust is in God. I'm not leaning on my own understanding and the fear that creeps up and bubbles up inside. Instead, my trust is in the Lord and he is making my path straight. See, we all have a choice. We all have a choice. You know, for my own, for, for, for my own life, I got fear. I, I'm, I'm trying to raise four kids. That brings fear sometimes. I'm trying to step into leadership at a church. That brings a lot of fear. There's a whole lot of other things that would be easier than stepping into leadership at a church. And so these fears swirl around in my mind. So I can focus on the fears I can meditate on the fears, or I can, I can focus my eyes on Jesus. I can focus on the promises of God. And I'll be honest, every time, every time I step up to preach, I step, take one step forward out of my fears and into the calling that God has before me. And I would encourage you to do the same thing with wherever God has placed you, whatever that looks like in your life. What does it look like to take one step forward out of the fear that creeps in, that those lies that come at you, what does it look to take one step forward out of the fear and into God's plan and purpose? Because the truth is, if God is calling you to it, it probably is a little bit scary because it's more than you can do on your own. But if your trust is in God, if your eyes are focused on God, you know what's gonna happen? He's gonna be with you. He's gonna bring you his peace. He's gonna provide and your fear. It may not be completely gone. It may creep up, it may bubble up, but it's not gonna define you. It's not gonna control you. Now, the author of, of Hebrews is saying, despite, yeah, Moses had a little bit of fear, but he fixed his eyes ahead because he knew that God was bigger than his fear. What would it look like if we were a church community that focuses on God despite our fear? Well, it would bring endurance. If you want endurance, if you want the bones to be good, what if you, what if you knew, you knew that you're a miracle, you're a walking miracle? What if you knew that 
God, I have temptations, but that's, that, that's so fleeting, and I'm turning away from that temptation and, and, and trusting God. Yeah, I have fear, but I, God is bigger than my fear. I'm just going to trust that God is bigger than my fear. This is what it looks like to endure. Are you fully persuaded? Because here's the truth. If you are fully persuaded that we serve a great big God, and here as a, as a body believers, if we're side by side about the work that God has for us, God said he gave us a task. He said, I've given you a job, the ministry of reconciliation. That's what God says to every Jesus follower. I want you to reconcile the lost, my lost children back unto me. And you do that by loving, you do that by serving, you do that by praying and worshiping. And if you do that shoulder to shoulder, despite your fears, you know what's gonna happen? You will see miracle after miracle after miracle of God's goodness, of God's provision, of God's mercy, of God's grace. That is the invitation that God has for us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I, I ask that whatever it is that, um, that we needed, Lord, that it will hit the soil of their hearts, that you will bring encouragement, Lord, that you will bring strength. Lord, help us to endure. Lord, you know what is in the future. You know what we're facing right now in the storm, and you know what is right around the corner. So please, Lord, strengthen us by your spirit, by your power, with the endurance that we need to stand firm to walk in the purpose that you have called for us. And if there's anybody here that you need, you desire a relationship with Jesus, you are slowly becoming fully persuaded that God is, is real and that you want a relationship from him. Scripture tells us that you can make that decision. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the beginning of the relationship, confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then we walk in the purpose that, had, that God gives us, a new creation with the power of his Holy Spirit. You can make that decision today, and the angels in heaven will celebrate and rejoice. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, that you never, never leave us or abandon us. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I thank you so much for being here for Song Fest week two. Next week, we're going to continue uh, Song Fest, so uh, we would love to see you there. Uh, check out the website to take your next step, and uh, we hope you have a great week. See you next time.